Hello and welcome along to I'm Okay Though, which is a podcast for people who say, yeah, I'm okay though, when asked if they're okay. Or if they say, are you okay? And they say, yeah, do you know what? I've had a bit of a rubbish week, but I'm okay though. This podcast is is for those people. It's all of us, isn't it? Because you're lying. But yeah, I just think we say it all the time, don't we? And Yeah. And it's actually not true. No, a lot of the time, isn't it? But you, but is it that to do with the person they're speaking to? Potentially. When do you say it? All the time. But I think it is more to people that I'm like, oh, do you know what? This is mad awkward if I start but, telling them. That. Or <laughs> that do you make okay. up something? So you might say, I mean, I don't mean completely falsify it, but rather than just going, yeah, I'm okay. I notice that some people go, I'm okay though, but. And then they'll talk about one incident or one thing that's not so good. A little nugget. A little nugget. Yeah. Which might be a bit kind of dramatised. Yeah. I definitely have a script for like, how's work? And then I just go, I just reel off my script. Do you have that? I tend to say, if someone says, how are you doing? Now I tend to ask, answer a lot more truthfully, but not yeah. in loads of depth. So I might say, I'm, I'm really, really fatigued or yeah, yeah. I'm properly overwhelmed at the moment, or yeah. if it's the true thing. Yeah. If not, sometimes I push back a bit. I'll say, I don't think I've got time to tell you now. Or How long you got. How long you got. <laughs> but, but you know, so maybe, well, let's catch a coffee and I'll tell you. So something yeah. that's a bit more truthful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder, you know, lots of people deflect to work or their kids or other things to talk about rather than actually talking about how they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is sounds like what you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. Busy. Lo- I, Busy. I think, I th- what's my thing? I got- Life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Those ones. Is that what you say? What do, do you mean when you're saying that? Ah, yeah, you know. We're all in it. Is it? Yeah. Oof. Oh, how are you? Oh, yeah. Life, isn't it? Kids, eh? <laughs> Which is That's kind of truthful in a way, right? Because it is yeah. a lot. Everyone's yeah. managing and doing a lot. Yeah. But there is something that keeps people at a distance in Definitely. the way that we respond. I also used to lie about how well my kids slept. Oh. Because my kids always slept really well. And then you bump into a parent and be like, oh, God, kids are this nightmare, right? And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> complete nightmare <laughs> they'd be like oh jeez yeah so I, I was up at three I've been up since three and is that because you want to be liked you Probably. don't want to be the, the kind smug, of the like, smug person yeah. in the corner who's baby sleeping yeah. all the way through do you know what? I don't know what you're feeling because my kids have slept through the night since nine months do you know I think that's also really common people playing down their successes yeah so not only do we not talk about and share our vulnerabilities so much I also think often we'll play down our why our do we do that successes we don't want to set ourselves apart we don't want to threaten someone else or cause conflict perhaps and actually it's really important that we celebrate things you know i used to remember really hating it when it was my birthday really? i like getting the presents but i didn't want the attention to be on me what age are we talking so, maybe like from about seven until a Really? Maybe about 15. And then I got really into it. Like I was so, until like <laughs> recently, like we are celebrating my birthday. When is your birthday? What, what November, month? Oh, just before it. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. you know, something about everyone watching. And I remember 
going to a friend's house and she got everyone. She she sat on a chair. She took a chair into the middle of the room and then she asked everyone to sit around her in a circle and clap. Amazing. And clap. And clap. <laughs> and, and also clap as she opened her presents. And I was so blown away by this sort of act of confidence <laughs> and kind of, I guess, esteem. I kind of love that. Yeah. And now I think about it, I'm like, we should all be doing that. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing if we yeah. felt worthy of that? But how funny are birthdays, actually? It's the first time I really think about it. Like, <laughs> what? That is so weird. <laughs> Everyone come and celebrate that I'm a, I'm a year older than yeah, I was. Yeah, that I exist. Because it's yeah. about the day <laughs> you I came exist. into the world. Yeah. Like, it is quite important. It's how- weird, isn't it? Buy me gifts. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I'm going to tell you what to buy me so you don't get it wrong and get disappoint it wrong. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then what does that say about how I show up for myself? Yeah. There's something so powerful in gifts or kind of really upsetting, which is something about how people understand you. Do they get you? What are you showing the world? Yeah. And I think that's really, yeah, birthdays are... Yeah, are, on both are, sides as well, because yeah. buying a gift is stressful. Yeah, if like, you get oh, it wrong. If I get it wrong. <laughs> But do you not have some people where you just, you really understand, you just get it, you don't even need to think about it? Some people, yeah. But like my dad is just impossible. I, don't, I just don't know what to get him. Why? I, I don't know. It's like, wow, what do I, and I guess like, if you're doing it twice a year for like 20 years. Christmas and birthday. Christmas birthday, Christmas birthday. Yeah. Like what left, what else is there left? And what happens do? if we don't buy a gift? How do we... Sh- kind of validate others or how do we show that we love each other do you know what is a good one is instead of a this is a bit of a parenting advice (laughs) believe it or not okay so someone's kids having a fifth birthday fourth birthday right don't buy them a toy right Mm -hmm. like pay for their football for Mm, the next six months that's nice buy like gymnastics or you know that's cute that's nice right because yeah. it's not like another plastic toy that's just going to get forgotten about yeah, that you picked nice. up on the way there. And you can get those book things, you know, where books arrive every month. And Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think all of these things contribute to our mental health, right? How yeah. we understood ourselves as children through the day that we were born all the way through and how we celebrate ourselves yeah. or don't. Yeah. I think is is kind of really connected to what we're talking about in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got some questions from people who I just sort of like put something out on my Instagram saying, do you have any questions about therapy or around therapy? Um, and we've got some interesting ones back. So I thought like this episode could be just, I'd like to do this in every episode and, and it will be more um, focused on around a subject, but this was quite broad. So I thought it'd be quite nice to just, if I fire some of them at you, mm. And see if see if that can like help anyone listening really who who didn't write in but maybe was thinking a similar thing. So I, one of the questions was about child mental health. Mm. Do you have much experience in child mental health? Yeah. So I started my career in child protection. So oh, I wow. worked for the government, working on um, you know cases that had gone to social services and and working in schools. Okay. And, my first business was putting therapists into primary schools, oh, particularly wow. kind of big inner city schools where there's a lot of, you know, a high number of um, mental health conditions within the kind of young person cohort. Wow. So I worked a lot with kids, actually. And we still we still do service young people at Self Space, but yeah. it's not our primary focus, right. but we do. And I think it's, 
it's a really good time to um, be speaking with our children about mm-hmm. feelings, mm-hmm. about showing them how to live in a slightly different way, mm-hmm. maybe than we we did. And I don't think there's any, uh, there's no point that it's too early to mm. start showing showing children how to think and feel. Of in not not even showing them how to think and feel, but how to talk about how they feel. Yeah. And I I think as parents, we have a huge responsibility, parents and carers, to that, which is how do we talk in our family about what's happening, what's not being said, the really difficult stuff. And yeah. there's some great materials out there, like the School of Life do some brilliant card sets for slightly older kids, like... Maybe I started mine with about six and you can just have them on the dinner table and they ask questions like, you know, if you want to, if you're going to change the world when you're older, how would it be? And everyone answers. So the parents answer too. Lovely. Or what things will you do differently from your parents? Mm. And I think it's just a really nice way of communicating things Lovely. that might get a bit stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And what what was that called? The Cards Company? Sorry? The Cards, you can get through the School of Life and School they do of loads of really good ones. And I, I think just try and think about how you're feeling as parents or carers within a family and don't rule out the fact that children will also be feeling something of that. Right, right, right. right. And I think we have this idea that this is for grown-ups and this is for children in terms of feelings. But actually talking about naming things in the family is really important. Yeah. So it might be, I think... We we're going through a really difficult time at the moment as yeah. a family, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know, um, this is feeling really hard and everyone yeah. seems a bit cross. Yeah. You know, how do we really name for our children yeah. what's going on? And and how about, like, could a teacher use those cards? Is that a thing? Is that like a... Yeah, I mean, they're not sort of, they're more, I guess, emotional inquiry as opposed to, but there are other tools that that can be used in education around right. how we start to articulate how we feel and how we can, you know, how we can really uh, support young people to find their voices. Yeah. And and something that I think is really important as a parent is to apologise, to say sorry when you're wrong. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I definitely do that. Yeah, that's good. Did you always do that? Was it something that happened in your family? No, it was just, it's just more just knowing the benefits of, of being like, do you know what? And my son now says, you didn't say sorry when you hurt me or when you did it. Mm-hmm. And, and and instead of being like, wait, he can't tell me to say sorry. I'm the best. It's like, you know what? I'm really sorry. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Mm. He, it he makes a difference and it helps us because I think, you know, the the rupture or the thing, that, the fracture that that happens is going to happen in their life later we all get things wrong we all do stupid things we do things we wish we hadn't we lose our temper yeah that's all right it's what do we do with the repair after the rupture that really matters because the question also i mean this might be slightly different but the question initially was like about seemingly i don't i'm not an expert in this seemingly america sort of like quick to medicate younger people and in england we're not how do you feel about sort of like medication in children is there an argument is it like meds or therapy is that a thing is there like a place for both is is it such a big issue in england for sort of like i guessing the the main one is like an adhd child Mm -hmm. in america gets medicated in england what happens i mean (sighs) america are very forward thinking in terms of mental health everybody has a therapist we're kind of slowly catching on they do have a much better language in terms of uh, culturally 
around mental health. And I think we're moving towards that. There tends to be, I think in young people in some circles in the UK and in America, they're very quick to diagnose. So we want to kind of rush to an exit, mm. which is we, as parents or carers, we, maybe we're pushing for that. an answer. You want that answer. Rather than just sometimes being able to sit in the mess of of what it means to be a growing young person who doesn't really know what they're feeling and is all over the show trying to act mm. things out. So in terms of medication, we do medicate children in the UK. Right. You know, it's not, you know, it's a it's a really political thing to talk about medication for mental health in, in any sector, actually, because, yeah. of course, somebody's profiting from the medication. Mm -hmm. And so it is quite difficult to be 100% sure. My feeling about it personally as a clinician is that, that we don't have a right or wrong setup. You know, yeah. there isn't a kind of either or. I think in some cases, medication and therapy working together can be really super helpful. Yeah. Sometimes therapy can help us lean away from what we've relied on before, which yeah. might be medication. Perhaps there are some cases where talking is really impossible. And so the medication is treating a condition that really we can't repair yeah. uh, thoroughly enough through just therapy. So I don't... I think that sometimes people can be very, uh, judge themselves really harshly around needing to be on antidepressants or mm -hmm. how that is. I also think that we should challenge ourselves. So not just accept that this is a prescription and we're yeah. going to continue with that. So yeah. keep assessing yeah. what's happening for you. What am I not talking about? What am I not thinking yeah. about? Can that contribute to me feeling better on my own? Yeah. Like, would you say try therapy first? Because some people just go, I mean, look, I'm a complete novice on this. Do, can you go to the doctor and say, I'm feeling really down and they can they prescribe your antidepressants? They very readily prescribe, actually. They do, here? Yeah. They ask five questions, one of which is, have you had any suicidal thoughts? Okay. Um, and it's, it, listen, I don't want to run the NHS down because they do an yeah. amazing job. Yeah. Um, they are very, very oversaturated. So putting people into the system to receive therapy is really difficult. Waiting lists are very long. Mm. Sometimes people want an immediate solution mm. and medication is is um, that. Is that. So yeah. that sometimes I feel GPs don't know where to go. They haven't got very many choices. And, you know, I did a test myself and I know that some of the team have done it where we went to the doctor and it's very, very easy to get prescribed medication right. for mental health. Would you suggest therapy first? Is that a thing? It's really hard for me to say that because I wouldn't want to give anybody the wrong information. Cool. I think it depends what you're struggling with, really does. I think... Maybe a combination of both. Maybe it, it it really depends on what's happening. If you're in the middle of a psychotic episode or you're, you know, mm. really not able to be in the here and now, mm. then yes, medication immediately for yeah. what you need. Yeah. But I think it's a case by case and I'd be nervous to kind of say specifically course, one way course. or the other. But I wouldn't just go down the route that is the most easy. So sometimes yeah. therapy is the hardest way. I've got to yeah. find someone. I really don't want to look at this yeah. stuff. I want to leave yeah. it to the side. Yeah. Or I could take a pill. Or I could take this and maybe that will help. And that's, if that, if it feels like you're doing it because you're trying to avoid having to do the work, 
then really check in with yourself. Ask go. yourself the question. A, I think that's a great answer. Really, yeah, because we also don't want, it's really important not to judge ourselves or others, but also keep challenging. So yeah. not be too soft on yeah. ourselves, but also not too harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it's a really complicated space because also if you're struggling with your mental health, you're in the middle of a, 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 an episode or a moment where you're like, I really can't cope. I'm feeling overwhelmed. The last thing you want to do really is to challenge yourself because your resilience is so low it's really really hard when it comes to how we feel it's really not a simple one shoe fits all set up how can we be compassionate with ourselves but also you know a little bit tough love in terms of what what is happening for me here yeah 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 Where am I at? And I also think, you know, what happens when we're struggling with our mental health, all of the things that we know keep us well go out the window. Mm. For example, we'll stop exercising, we'll stop drinking water, we'll stop eating well, and we wonder why we're not feeling so good. The boring stuff is the stuff that works. Yeah. So water, eat healthy, exercise. Yeah, notice. They work. They work. Stretching, move your body. Get outside. Go outside. The boring kind of stuff that everyone bangs on about. But they are part of the foundations that are going to support your mental health. Amazing. So someone's asked, what's the best way to find a therapist? As in sort of like therapy shopping. What is yeah. the best way to find a therapist? I think we shouldn't be rep- kind of scared about that process. It's all right to be a bit nervous and a bit overwhelmed, which it can be. But I think we have to know that we deserve this space to be good mm. for us and work. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of people I notice will come to therapy and they'll be really nervous about what the therapist is going to think of them, which is very common. And that probably lives outside the therapy room for them too. Yeah. But, you know, am I good enough? Is my problem big enough? Yeah. Am I... And the, all of these questions go around which which prov- kind of put a barrier up to, to care. Yeah. I think um, therapy shopping is is fine and is it can be really helpful if it's not an avoidance of doing the work. So don't keep yeah, moving yeah, yeah. and starting over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And find somebody you're interested in. Because also I think it's important to say that therapy's not, it's not there to be enjoyed as such, is it? It's not like, like we were talking off mic about this kind of like aha moment. Like you think you're going to go and you're going to talk it out and then you're going to have this epiphany or revelation. It's all going to be fixed. And yeah, and I guess therapy is quite difficult. It's not nice. It's like a, you know, you have to face some things in there. So often I've people must sort of like come up against someone who pushes back mm-hmm. and then they're like, they weren't the right therapist for me. Yeah, they leave. And then they leave and then they find, and eventually we'll probably find someone who sort of just lets them, I guess, agree or agrees with their problems and they can just sit there and talk about them but well, not actually be challenged on them. Yeah, I think that is very possible. Good therapists will be able to not do that but I think that we will seek out the answers we want mm. unless we're really prepared to kind of hold that. I mostly really dislike my therapist. I really don't want to show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really don't want to tell him how I'm doing yeah. and I really don't like him. <laughs> I mean, I do. But you know, in that moment, that you're like, this is all yeah. the things I do not want to be yeah. thinking, feeling. It can be a place of that adversity, but yeah. it can be also the other space as well, which is, yeah. you know, really supportive, championing yeah. you, you know, supporting you, buoying you up when you need it, yeah. but in the right way. 
making you feel unjudged and yeah i know that you you started therapy for the podcast yeah how do you experience that it's often just like the in-between sessions Mm. it's the kind of uh, processing on your own yeah and then like things sort of making more sense or or your or things that, that have been said or swirl around swirl around a little bit and like in between in between the actual sessions is where you is is maybe where you'd get more of a breakthrough or a moment or a or a thing we like oh well, and you notice i mean i remember my first therapist i still sometimes hear her voice at particular moments which yeah. is you know maybe where i'm not looking at something i need to be or or i've gone into a familiar kind of pattern and I really notice I internalize that experience such a lot that I can sometimes remember that. Yeah. Well, that feeling. And I think you're right. I, I kind of refer to it as a bit of like a penny slot machine, which yeah. is, so in your session, you might put the penny in. Yeah, but it yeah. takes ages to land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all oh, that, that moment, not the one thing, but the no. little strands that you're struggling yeah. to kind of pull out yeah. might suddenly make sense. I find also that, this is probably a technique you lot get taught, but I'm quite like, a hundred miles an hour. I can be anyway, just talk and just go. And then my therapist will just very calmly and slowly repeat back to me what I've just said. And you're like, oh, <laughs> it's like, whoa. It's really powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful. And you're like, oh, like there's a little pause and you're like, what, what's going on? Why isn't he saying anything? What's that? And then he just repeats back to you very slowly and calmly. Yeah. What you just said. Well, it's like holding that mirror up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I just said that. Yeah. And that's I feel go. that then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it's said back to you, that's when the moment you can feel it. Because we often become so disassociated between what our mouth is saying and what what we're actually feeling. Like, yeah. can we connect? to that yeah. thing and when someone puts it back on you yeah it's pretty powerful yeah it's really good choose a person that feels good or feels useful or challenging yeah. or something so yeah, try yeah. to kind of use that you're paying for the session mostly yeah. try to use it to your kind of gains and to your knowledge so you know this is why I'm going what do you think how did you find me don't be afraid to ask right. you know, how- and that's okay is yes. that right to like pop off back at the therapist and- yeah how have you found this how do you experience me or yeah. you know I, I'm wanting to go because I find this really boring or you never answer yeah. me you never tell me what I want to hear yeah yeah yeah, yeah. why you know, did you do that sometimes that's the most fruitful moment yeah and it might be really that it's just the ending and it's not the right fit and yeah. the therapist might well say well you know maybe there's something in that and is there like a therapist like ID that you have to that you can show people? Like, how do you well, know? There's, a, like if, there's governing bodies. So there's. I would always recommend that you work with someone who's registered with BACP and also UKCP. Those are governing bodies for uh, mental health practitioners. I would really, really recommend that you only work with people that are accredited by right. governing bodies, and yeah, that yeah. way you can be mostly sure. Um, about who you're seeing. That's not to say that people who are unaccredited are not good. It's just I yeah. don't feel confident to validate that. Brilliant. Okay, another question. This is an interesting one. What do you think about this one? How can you do therapy anonymously? And then the question said, if I handed in the bills, I'd get in trouble at work. What do you? What does that mean to you? Like, 
I understand the first bit. How do I do therapy anonymously? Anonymously from whom, though? I'm curious mm. about that. Because I think we've all got some anxiety about confidentiality, right? Yeah. I'm telling all my story here. How can I be sure that no one is going to know or find out about that? Really? About anything. the story or about the fact that you're telling it? Well, anything that happens in the room should be confidential. That yeah. is, any. It, and it, it is, right? It's, it's like 100% totally... confidential unless the practitioner thinks you are a risk to yourself or anybody else in the world. Right. So we have a responsibility to disclose if perhaps you've said you've got a plan to commit suicide or yeah. perhaps you're, you're harming someone. others or yeah. you've got an intention to do that, then we can break confidentiality. Yeah. But everything else is confidential in the room. Do you have to say, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to tell someone about you this? You do. You do. Right. There are some extreme cases where you might not, but... In the most part, right. you would say, listen, what you've told me today is really concerning to me. My job is to keep you safe, and this is what I'm going to do. And then you would let them know the plan about that. Right. That hasn't happened once in my entire career, right. 17 years. Wow. Did you think it might when you started? It does sometimes on the team. And, and also, when we say we're bound by confidentiality, that does mean that the clinician, the therapist, can talk to their supervisor. So... Uh, every therapist will have a supervisor or should mm. have a supervisor. That's a person you talk to about your cases and they are bound by confidentiality. Right. So it's basically like because you're the only two people in the room, right. you need to have somebody else who understands sure. what you might not be seeing and yep. to support you to support the person. Amazing. So that therapists don't like have a tea break and all sit around and go, bloody hell, <laughs> yeah. I had this woman to, you know, yeah. and dis and swap stories. That 100% They really shouldn't. And and sometimes they will take a problem that's in therapy, but they'll never name the person or they shouldn't and they won't ever make them identifiable. Right. So in terms of the anonymousness, mm -hmm. I wonder if that's more about what other people are going to think about you being in therapy. Yeah, I thought that. And then, sorry to be kind of like dissecting your question. Um, That's a big fear, though, is what's going to happen if my husband, my wife, my friends, my yeah. job find out yeah. I'm in therapy? What's that going to say about me? But that's the stigma part, isn't it? Exactly. That we're trying to kind of... Bust. Bust. Yeah. Uh, but then it says, if I handed in the bills, I'd get in trouble at work. Did you think that they're wanting to put it through the company? As an expense. Yeah. But you do something like that, don't you? Yeah, we do bundles for companies. So we support lots of partner companies globally, actually. What kind of companies are we talking about? So everybody from uh, Google to Stella McCartney to lots of the big advertising agencies, Depop. We work with really progressive companies yeah. to support their employees a bit differently to an EAP scheme, which is uh, a kind of standard care like something like Bupa or Vitality which is much in the most part much more clinical so they'll do an assessment they'll make a referral and you'll get six sessions we kind of sit underneath an mm. EAP scheme so we're a bit more casual and an EAP scheme will um, do something different to us we're much more immediate and and um, we work on psychoeducation so we work on educating companies about mental health yeah, in a kind of much more accessible way. And you don't have to answer this, but how, like, how, is the feedback that productivity is up? Is the is there any feedback? What's the kind of like yeah. situation we've become? So we do quite a lot of evaluation actually on how things are being met, and and lots of our partners report that the conversation around mental health is much more fluid. That people are feeling much more confident in terms of how they talk about what they want, what they need from the company and vice versa, mm. that relationships are much more 
kind of strengthened and that people just feel less afraid of this area. And I think that's the, that's really one of the things that we can hope for. So this, so this person who asked the question could potentially go to their boss or maybe they are the boss and suggest this kind of bundle for their company. Yeah, and if talk that's, about if it If that's a bit. what the kind of anonymous thing was about. Yeah, and if there's a kind of cultural issue within a company, which is there's no way I could tell anyone how I'm really doing. Yeah. I'd really think about challenging that as a value. Because I guess there's some serious high stress situations yeah, going on there. Definitely. And also, you know, in, in any type of institution, there's the possibility of it being really toxic yeah. around, you know, uh, things emerging that don't get called out. As we've seen, you know, yeah. around the, the race and diversity issues and the Me Too and all of those kind of bigger um, yeah. uh, bigger things that are happening in the world or have happened and are talked about and are still happening. Yeah. But there are micro ones of that that I think we should be addressing. Someone else has uh, written in and said, asked about advice on finding the right type of person and also finding the right person. Like two different mm. questions. I guess it's saying, can I go to therapy to to help me find someone to help in love to help in relationships to help oh, like identify the right type of person for me mm. so uh, so I guess it's more kind of I find this one interesting because it's really positive like how can I find the best person for me well you'll we, you know we often talk about therapy as being a place that can help good relationships become great it, we don't you know I really think that 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 talking to someone about where you're at in your life and what's happening can help us lean into our potential, not just kind of troubleshoot and manage crisis. So we're over here kind of wondering about how my life could get richer, better, things are going okay, my relationships are pretty good, but they could mm. be great. We have, in fact, I have quite a lot of single women who are my clients who, you know, are really, it's quite common to be struggling in that dating space at mm -hmm. the minute. And I think it's a really difficult place to be. It's not emotionally safe, yeah. actually, in the way that we have moved towards dating. Right. And I think there are lots of opportunities for people to be misunderstood, let down, ghosted. There's, I mean, look, I know that these things happen, but I think it's quite dangerous out there emotionally in terms okay. of how how people are managing that space. And I hope we're going to move into something a bit better which is, it's okay if you don't want to go on a second date with someone, but right. maybe we should tell them because that is so much better than them yeah. waiting months and months and months thinking yeah. that something is different than it is. So yeah. you have a responsibility for how you show up in that space, yeah. not only on the receiving end, but how yeah. you are kind of in that dating space. Yeah. So I definitely think therapy can be a support place to come and go gosh this is just so brutal or I'm really yeah. unhappy or, and for, for your therapist to support you with kind of patterns of behavior that you might not be seeing that might can be contributing to you not meeting someone or maybe it's kind of dangerous the way you're engaging with those dating yeah. setups and that can be something that can be talked about yeah. sex and intimacy and how all those things are playing out for you so I think that's the second half of the question about relationships we're yeah. always talking about relating aren't we really yeah, yeah, yeah. in some way or another whereas it, whether it's a partner you're looking for or the way we relate to to friends the world our family yeah yeah because we're talking about red flags I think I think we're talking about generational things that yeah. might perpetuate being in rubbish relationships. You know, yeah. maybe we're used to being treated badly. Yeah. 
maybe we experienced that as children, maybe we saw it played out in our lives with our families, yeah. and maybe we really want to try to break those patterns yeah. um, and and try to attract different types of people and have different relationships. Yeah, I think that's quite important, isn't it? Because a lot of, I guess, from my experience of like single friends who are female, they have a pattern of, of dating, quote-unquote, bad guys or like people who guys who don't treat them well and they they seem to just repeat this pattern but is it do you think that's like an attraction thing they're attracted to a certain type of person and when they meet someone who's just like really nice and treats them well that's not attractive mm -mm. to them well i think we are drawn to people for mostly in an unconscious way and if we aren't exploring our unconscious that can be kind of dangerous so we might go oh, well i always attract bad guys Probably you're always looking for the bad guy yeah. somewhere. You're always saying, I don't deserve to be treated well on some level, mm. even though we might be saying, I really deserve to be, you know, wined and dined and blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. But actually somewhere deep down you have a hole, a gap, which is I'm not good enough or this is what I'm used to or we want to be wanted so much that we don't really care how we're treated. But but ultimately, you're, you know, you're going to be attracting people in an unconscious way, which is why we find opposites get together yeah. quite often. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that can't work really, really well. But kind of noticing what you're doing and what you're really speaking to when you're really trying to think about why you're always in the same kind of situation. It can be quite difficult, but also really enlightening too, I think. Too. And but therapy can help with that, right? Totally. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it can really help. And then I think the, the last question... It's quite an interesting one. Is can poor mental health ever be cured? Someone's asked. Yeah, I think it can definitely be altered and changed for the better. But cured? In most cases. I don't know if it's a kind of linear journey like that, which mm -hmm. is that we go from X to Y, because I think life is meandering and I think yeah. we have to go backwards. We have to stay where we are. We need to move forward. We need to revisit things. Just because we come in and we sort one crisis out, let's just say, or mm -hmm. one issue, that doesn't mean that next week something else might happen that needs exploring. Yeah. I think constant work and attention can, can kind of build our resilience, help us stay attuned to what we need in the world and all that stuff. But I don't think it's a, like a, I, I had that mole removed and now it's all good. Mm. I don't think mental health is like that. We feel differently, don't we, every single day? Yeah. It's complicated, really complicated. Yeah. And so I, I think that we can get better at recognizing our triggers, looking after ourselves, understanding what contributes to us feeling crap and not doing it, all of those components. And have you seen it firsthand for it's just like gone from someone with poor mental health and over time and over years and over therapy and over help? Yeah, they getting, can, they can, feeling better. Know, feeling better. Feeling better, like kind of their wellness being enhanced. Yeah, and it might just be things that fall away, which is maybe they stop drinking so much. Maybe they start, you know getting rid of friends or people in their lives that are really causing them quite a lot of trouble. So you see the kind of incremental yeah. changes. I know that you don't drink anymore. Was that something that, did you make a decision because it was about how you felt or was that? Yeah, I don't, I do, I'm not completely sober or anything. I do drink from time to time, but. Just a couple or? Yeah, just a couple. I think I got to a stage where I didn't want to be like that anymore. I, we were in a 
routine of working all week, drinking Friday, Saturday. So we, we drink Friday, football Saturday, drink Saturday. Recover Sunday. Recover Sunday. And Work. then start to feel a little bit better by Wednesday and then do it all again, right? That was like a the routine I was in. And really close friend of mine, I said to him, yeah, we, I was like, yeah, what are we doing Friday? What are we doing Saturday? I, he was like, I don't want to drink with you anymore. And I was like, what? What? He was like, yeah. He's like, the way you lot drink is, is like, it's disgusting. He's like, if I just want to sit, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to go and drink a really nice beer and take my time with it with and you. And enjoy it. And enjoy it. That's what, how I want to drink with you. Mm. And I was like, I was like, oh, damn. Like, I, like, I'm doing it in such a way that like one of my closest friends doesn't even want to do it with me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because it was just like smash, smash, smash. How how quickly can I get as fucked as possible? Yeah. And whereas for him, drinking wasn't that. Drinking no, was savoring, like, I really want to enjoy this, this beer. Yeah, much more conscious, much more like cultural, much more like, you know. And I was like, I've never been into alcohol like that. You know, people like go wine tasting. I couldn't give a shit about wine tasting. Like, I don't care what it tastes like. Yeah. And now it that's that stayed with me because it's not like, oh, I crave the taste. I miss drinking. I, I really want to like the taste of whiskey or whatever. Like, I actually don't enjoy drinking. I, I used to enjoy what it did for me. Mm. The escape that it provided for me. I think that culturally we do have that. Let's just work really hard all week and then get pissed up on a Friday and that's normalized. And actually, how do we think that making ourselves feel crap is a reward? So how do we have more more frequent kind of highs that are good for Mm. us? So how do we find more contentment, more moments in our lives where we feel meaningful connections, that we feel in what we're doing. So we yeah. need that less. And I do think that, I do think that we can get there. Yeah. I've personally found it through a, a hobby. What's what's your hobby? The hobby is photography at the moment. And it's like anything in the past that I've that I had as a hobby has become my work. Mm. So whether it's DJing or whether it's songwriting or whether it's producing or whatever, has become my work. But photography is something that, you know, I got to, the, you know, I'm 38. I started photography maybe a couple of years ago, you know, mid-30s, and was like, well, I don't have a hobby. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really play sports anymore. I don't really have time. I don't, like, I don't have a hobby. Like, something that's just for me that I enjoy. That's creative. And I love it. Yeah, great. I love it. And it's like all the little things that just, like, satisfy me, like all the little techniques and things you can research and different films and different lenses and you can get really into it. And you have an output that's not validated by yes. money. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to ever make photography, mm. make money out of photography. I just want to kind of like, and then you get the pictures back. Yeah. You know, so there's amazing. that way Then you give them in and then and then these days they we transfer you, them to you. Great. So you can just be like, oh, I've got my pictures. And you look through the pictures and you're like, oh, that one worked, that one didn't. Yeah. Why did that one not work? And all the kind of light exposure settings and stuff. That's bought me like a really nice sort of like slice of... Joy. Joy, yeah. And and also that kind of the idea that 
that means more to you than waking up feeling rubbish on a Saturday, can't get up, can't do the things that bring you joy, can't be present, can't be with your kids, can't, you know, all of the things we know are happening. And this is really without judgment that I say, I get it. I've been there. I I know. But it it, it doesn't serve us really. Not really. Well, I think that's a nice little place to wrap it. Yeah, totally. And maybe that's something we can cover a bit more in another episode. The kind of, it'd be interesting to know what people would like us to talk about themically. So maybe it's around, you know, relationships, adultery, marriage, those types of things. Maybe it's around, you know, sex and intimacy, addiction and um, substance misuse. Perhaps it's grief. You know, it'd be yeah. good to know what people would like. Definitely, please do. Like, get, send us a message. I'm at Owen Cuts on Instagram, and you are. You can message us at the self space. Great. And is it at the at, at the, the self space? Okay, great. So at the self space or at Owen Cuts, send us some messages, and we are going to do much more sort of themed episodes. And we'd like you to contribute to that and tell us. Uh, what you'd like to know about and hear about we've got some loose ideas but obviously we'd love to know what you think uh, well thank you Jodie pleasure no thank you and have a lovely week and we'll see you next week